Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Justin the Food Entrepreneur Show. I'm Justin Bizarro. I'm your host. That's B-I-Z-Z-A-R-R-O. For anyone who's out there, you can find me on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs, or you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening in. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate the sharing of the episode. I appreciate everyone and all the love and support, and I really appreciate the support I've got for this stuff I've done as I've moved the podcast full time. Um, I appreciate all the love and support I've got there, especially from the group up in New York and, and the love that you guys have shown me up there and the podcast. I can't wait to hang out with you guys again next week. I also just want to thank everyone for being extremely nice on a personal level. I have a lot of people have reached out and I don't talk about this on there, but I've obviously gone through some major transitions over the last year. Um, and I'm working through a personal situation and trying to figure that out and, and where I'm going with my life. Um, you know, whether I, you know, whether I move forward or I try to move forward in a past way, but building something new and, um, and everyone's just been so kind with my emotional and mental states, um, because it's not easy being an entrepreneur. It's not easy starting businesses all over and trying to rebuild something and being 43 years old and going back into the mix uh, and being a boxer all over again after 24 years of doing it on a massive scale and, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in food um, over many, many years um, per year, over many, many years. And the mental state it took on me and my relationships and bad patterns it picks up and stuff like that mentally it's all it's something that happens to all of us um one of the things i don't drink i haven't had a drink in over four years now mainly because 75 hard but main that that's what made it stick but what really helped was a a good group of people and what also helped is you know i don't want to live family trauma in my head anymore so it's just like okay that's an easy one to get rid of and everyone has been so kind um, and everyone has been there for me in ways that is hard for me to even imagine. And do I wish there was more? Of course, like I'm, I'm still semi broken trying to figure it all out. Um, but that's just part of life. And I feel like life is constantly about testing us and pushing us and putting us in situations where we can contribute the most. And God's always transforming us or putting us in situations where we have a choice to grow ourselves if we want a better life or to be a better person or achieve excellence. So that's um, been really interesting to me. One of the things that's been my lifeline, ironically, is is this podcast. And if it wasn't for our guest today, uh, Brian Murphy of Big Apple Bodega Food Truck from Littleton, Colorado. How are you doing, Brian? I'm great, thank you. Um, I wouldn't even have a podcast anymore. I would have let it die probably with the last episode that was in February of 2002, um, which was Matthew Foster's uh, Few Pies, Atlanta, Georgia, part one. I didn't know if I wanted to do it, and someone really recommended that I have Brian on the show and that he was a budding entrepreneur and that he was encapsulating exactly what it meant to have a unique product, bring it to a market, stay true to yourself, uh, stay true to who you are, and then build a brand. And so that's weirdly... Brian is a catalyst in the life that I have now and what I am doing now. I probably wouldn't have done it if we hadn't done that episode and it didn't catapult me into the podcast again in a weird way. 
and if certain people hadn't actually heard that podcast because they like New York bodegas and the chopped cheese, I wouldn't be here either um, or have the chances that I have right now. Do I wish things would have gone differently in my life? Sure. Um, I wish I would have handled things more maturely or with a better head on my shoulders or with the knowledge I know now 90 days ago or 100 days ago, whatever it was, 110 days ago, like certain things like that, of course. But I will say that this door that opened up because of you, Brian, is pretty significant and I appreciate it. And my point being, we never know when we're helping people and we never know by saying yes or taking opportunity, the impact that we're making on entrepreneurs, on communities, on businesses, on humans, maybe even on animals and maybe even on our planet, um, good or bad. So I think that we just need to be mindful of that and everything we do, how we do one thing is how we do everything. And that's what I've really, really, I've always known it, but it's become so true in my life right now. So Brian, how are you doing? Well, how is I'm great. life been in Colorado? I'm great. Uh, first off, I didn't know that. So thank you very much. Uh, that means the world to me. And I also want to say congratulations on four years. I just recently celebrated 12 years of sobriety. That's awesome. That's yeah. a long time. Yes. And, um, and Super one grateful. Uh, yeah. And I think it's one of those things that for me, and we'll talk about this for me, like there's a bad negative family thing there that goes along with it. And, and I think in my head and trauma and stuff like that. So, um, it's interesting to me because again, I've been, I started when I was 30. I didn't drink for a few years. Uh, a long time then went to grad school and, and met Deborah and life kind of took me in a weird past. I probably had about 30 some drinks, like 30 drink, 30 some days in the next, I don't know, couple years. And then all of a sudden it was just like, I don't want to do this anymore. And, uh, try really got back to my roots of when I'd stopped before and my life got better really fast. Um, I will say that. And then I allowed some of the negative patterns during COVID to creep into our lives because we were so isolated. Um, and both me and the person I was with both allowed these patterns into our home. And it's interesting because I, you know, I didn't see it then, but I see it now. Like even with it, even if I'm not in, if I'm not in the right mental game or the right change, it doesn't matter whether alcohol is there or not. Sometimes that pattern can creep in and your life can become unmanageable. And I think that that's a huge thing about all of this is how, you know, in life and business and being an entrepreneur, do we find balance? Well, part of it is we got to go fight the demons like and be brave enough to do it. And that's hard, right, Brian? I mean, you, you've done it for 12 years and it's hard to fight those demons. Yes, it can be very difficult, very challenging. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, Brian, let's talk about Big Apple Bodega. Let's go back to... Let's t retell the story a little bit of your story because I know everyone can go back and listen to the episode and we don't need to go out to the long version, but let's sort of talk about how you came up with the New York um, Big Apple Bodega and where the idea stemmed from and sort of your journey to get there. Um, sure. So born and raised in New York, um, went to Bodegas, which is a corner store um, all the time. Um Worked in the corporate world all of my career, um, moved to Denver and moved with a corporate job, um, doing the corporate rat race, uh, just decided to 
always wanted to do my own thing. Didn't really know what that looked like and decided to open a food truck. Um, and then researched Denver and researched a lot of the country and saw what was there and what wasn't there uh, and what Denver needed or was missing uh, and decided to do a New York city themed food truck. Um, so that's the big apple. And then bodega, uh, decided to look at bodega menus and see what my truck is going to be different and unique. And, um, saw the chopped cheese, uh, New York city staple. Um, so I decided to do uh, the classic chopped cheese and then a whole bunch of different variations of that classic. I love it. So let's talk about chopped cheese. What is it? Um, again, and what are the variations that you, you have on your truck and, and what are the, the main items, what's your best seller? So chopped cheese, we like to say is uh, New York city's version of a Philly cheesesteak. Uh, it's made with ground beef and grilled onions. I also say it's kind of like a deconstructed cheeseburger. Uh, so we take a burger, throw it on a grill with some onions. We season the heck out of it, chop it all up. Uh, melt cheese throughout throughout it, and then every sandwich has different flavors and different toppings. Um, so I wanted to go after the different unique um, neighborhoods throughout the city. Um, so we have the Little Italy, which is our Italian. Uh, we have uh, the Sinatra, which is our classic, which you can find in uh, bodegas throughout the city. Um, we have a Hawaiian luau. Um, we have a bunch of different variations. What's your favorite? Is it the regular, did you say? Um, so I recently, before season ended last year, rolled out uh, the Far Rockaway, which is our version of a fajita. And it is awesome. It is uh, the ground beef with red onions. It has green and red peppers, uh, melted cheddar cheese, lettuce, tomato, and an avocado ranch. And it is just amazing. That is my new favorite. <laughs> Um, this is really cool. And I think that many people, like we've talked about other chopped cheeses before, and we've talked about other concepts before. And one of the things that I like about yours is one, you have your head on straight Two, it took years of work as we just established at the beginning of this podcast to get to where you are. It started off making simple steps and changing your life that led to where you are now. So I think that's important for the audience to know this didn't just happen. And it took a long time also in work ethic and job experience and bouncing from New York eventually to California, I believe, San Diego, and then to Littleton. And Kelsey, who works for you, I'll give her a shout out. She's awesome. Um, or I don't know if she still does because she's now doing the tattoos, which is really cool. She did do the tattoo on my hand of the bumblebee, yeah, everyone, just so I everyone heard. knows that. That's awesome. And, um, and, I don't know. I think like you have such good essence and you have such good product and there's just such a display of entrepreneurism unintentionally. It's almost like when you aligned your life right, Brian, God brought this into you and gave you or helped you unleash a gift that he had planted inside you when you were born. And I don't know how else to describe it, but that does hop into entrepreneurs when they truly give their power over to God and just follow his path, especially as entrepreneurs when we line our plan with his plan as I call it, or our will with his will, depending how you look at it, in a way, we get great things in life. 
And so here's my question. What are the leaders or entrepreneurs in your life or parents or family members, doesn't matter, um, anyone who has had an impact on you uh, as a leader or an entrepreneur that you really reflect back to or still get motivated by? Uh, that's a good question. I've, like I said, I've worked for these giant companies and before they were a giant company, they were usually just, you know, a single, a single, single storefront or, um, one was a hot dog cart, um, super inspirational, super, um, motivational. Uh, it just, uh, I can, I can, I'm going to say the name Shake Shack. I worked for Shake Shack for years and they started out as a hot dog cart in Madison Square Park um, in New York City. And now they are all over the place. Um, uh, love that. Um, I was also thinking about this, who I reflect back on. And I think every corporate job that I had, my bosses would come to me and try to get me to get to the next level to be district manager or area director. Um, typically when I kind of jumped ship or pulled the plug and said, Oh, this isn't for me. Um, I didn't want to get promoted. And looking back at that, I wondered why, why don't I want to go to the next level? Um, couple of reasons. I think I, I didn't necessarily want to manage portfolios at the time, different locations, I wanted to work with uh, the, the team, um, shoulder to shoulder, uh, really thrive in that environment. Um, also, I looked <laughs> kind of at their life and it was almost as if they would pull up into my parking lot, they would read the ops manual, turn on the corporate button, and they would walk in almost as a, you know, a corporate robot spewing you know, the principles and the values and the mission statement, which is all super important, but um, it almost felt fake. And I didn't want, I didn't want that for my, for myself and for my life. Uh, principles, values, mission statement, all super important. Uh, you need it. Um, but to walk around um, just seemed unnatural the way they were presenting themselves, making the whole team nervous, kind of standing there with a clipboard. I didn't want that life. So it's, I've worked for some amazing companies. Um, they motivated me, but it's again, nothing against my bosses and not all of them, but I didn't want, I didn't want that life for myself. I wanted to create my own thing. I want to touch on a few points there, uh, Brian, before I get into the, what you said, and I agree with you wanting to start your own life and Shake Shack is quite the story by the way. And the gentleman who did it thought he only wanted to do one restaurant at a time, and Shake Shack was just a one-off of one of four restaurants he had at the time, I believe. Yeah. And so to suddenly franchise when he never wanted to franchise is interesting because he dumbed down a concept from one of his other locations and threw a burger stand. And what park was it again? I had been to Madison it. Square. Yeah, Madison Square Park. I still remember yeah. the shack. I mean, like yep. the lines. I remember standing yep. in that line, and I never stand in lines for anything other than at amusement parks because I'm just like, no, thank you. Like, no concerts, right. no, like, like, hey, man, like, it's like my time is better spent than in a line and in queue. But I did for that because everyone, and it's worth it. I think Shake Shack's one of the best products out there still, and their service is really good. And there's one downtown here in Nashville that does pretty well in their service. So it's interesting. Um, but I will tell you this, um, 
the corporate robot thing you refer to happens not only in corporations but in entrepreneurial companies and in food service partners as it was around for a long time and we went through some of the things we went through one of the mistakes was keeping around individuals for many many years that led to entitlement and to bad decision making or i would call laziness is that they turned into these corporate robots they would sort of walk in and walk out they'd say a few things they'd spend the company's money to get there most of the time they don't they're not fixing problems they're not providing solutions they're and their solution is just get the equipment off the line and throw it in the equipment graveyard okay how about you're there to fix stuff and eventually that stuff builds up, especially if it's not being communicated because those are the individuals going around to all of your locations. So they're holding it secret because they, they're getting lazier and lazier and lazier. And by nature of laziness, not only are you doing your job, but you're not communicating either. You get worse at communication. And I think it's important that you hit on it is eventually everyone thinks that they're these leaders going into the company and that they're representing the company, but actually all they're doing is wasting the company's money generally. They're racking up expense bills, they're traveling on the road, and while they're kind of connecting the units, I've actually found a majority of the time, unless it's a really special manager, they're actually just sucking the company's tit, for, for lack of a better term. They love the travel. They love the expenses. They love the showmanship, which is they get to be the man from corporate that comes into the building and they're, you know, the man and everyone looks up to them and, hey, there's corporate, you know, and it weirdly becomes this thing. And even if the person wasn't that person to start off with, for some reason, those positions transition those people into those if you keep them in there too long. I'm just saying. I just want the entrepreneurs to be aware of that. That if you're not growing individuals and you're sticking them in, multi, you have multiple locations, you have people overseeing them, those individuals have a lot of power in your company. And they have a lot of power to influence the front, the front range or the front battle line of your business that's actually dealing with the clients and the customers so i just want everyone to be aware of that like the human nature and the law of attraction whether you think it's bullshit or not you will attract into your business not only the brand and who you are as the entrepreneur but whoever your managers are that are going around they will attract that type of business also and this is the other thing i'm going to talk about brian sorry you hit this also but not directly friends in business are your are are worse than your enemies in business. And I know this is hard for people to understand unless there's a mentor coaching a growing of one another in any business relationship, friendship always turns into envy and jealousy especially if one starts doing better than the other. Even if it's friend to friend, even if it's across, you're always better working like hiring an ex enemy and working for you and them having to earn their loyalty than someone who already has your loyalty who eventually will get jealous and envious and then try to take advantage of you and try to take more and more money. And I didn't normally want to talk about this, but it is something that I am well aware of that happened to me in my businesses. That's why I'm telling everyone. And I'm well aware now that I'm talking about it on a regular basis. There's lots of businesses out there in the world, particularly in food, that this has been their demise. They're very successful businesses decades upon decades, but people stay there too long. You don't shake it up. You don't make it uncomfortable. People get entitled and they keep getting more and more envious and jealous of the owners or the people that are actually doing the work and making the money that they then try to extrapolate more and more and more money out of the company. And it's just the way it is. So thank you, Brian, for bringing that up. I think it's an important topic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not easy working with family or friends. And you think... You think it is, you think, oh, I, I can trust this person and, and this is this is a no-brainer. 
Um, and for a while it is, um, but yeah, it, it can definitely be a sticky situation. And I mean, I'll give you an example in my personal life. Like there was a very personal pattern where with a certain member that I was close to a family member that we would have conversations at night, right? We'd have concrete conversations. This is how we're going to go execute tomorrow in whatever, but some pattern or whatever had gotten into this individual after years, they became more empowered and they became more entitled and they, I gave them more power unintentionally. And by the next morning, they would totally disrupt my day. They totally throw me off. They totally undermine me. But the next morning, they would have some weird emotional pattern of hitting the reset button every morning and almost wiping this chalk, the slate board clean because emotionally they were in a different place and because their emotions drove the bus. Oh, forget about it. Forget what we talked about six hours yesterday. I'm making a decision. Here's a text message of like five items we're doing different or I'm calling you or I'm telling you as soon as you wake up if we were in the same house in Georgia happened to be that these are the things we're doing different today and you've made the decision. I'm like, hold on here. We didn't even talk about this and you've already executed it with the team on a conference call. Like these things are bad news and people don't realize that these patterns that you do disrupt businesses and it's usually not your work ethic or whatever that, that, get you fired or get you in trouble at a job if someone's on their game and actually firing you for not doing things. But if you're disrupting a business every morning and you're not working on this or someone's not addressing it with you, that can be a problem. There's a lot of people out there that do this just so everyone's aware. And this is why I say it for the entrepreneurs to coach it. And for if you're an entrepreneur who actually does this, because there are a lot of entrepreneurs that are so in their head and they're so like living in the moment and they're so living in survival mode that they do this, they're like, oh, we agreed as a team. And then the next morning they come in like they're the leader and they change the whole thing on the team and it's chaos. And for most humans, they need consistency, discipline, and structure in their life. And when you do that, you break their discipline and their structure and you break their businesses. Um, not intentionally and it's no one's fault and it's just very hard. And it's and I point it out because it's just another something that I've noticed that over time or in business that we've just talked about or in a corporate environment or corporate management that you these type of individuals while they they you don't need to get rid of them it's just in your company you have to be aware of the individuals that have certain patterns that reset the button every morning because you just have to check in with them and make sure they're still on the same page and make sure they check in with you before they go doing anything on their own. And that's just management, but it's just something I've recently dealt with and knew I had dealt with, but didn't understand how it affected the business or how it affected me until more recently doing hindsight reflection. But it comes from a lot of this corporate robot thing, which is when I have people running around doing things and I'm giving a message, but they're not executing it, it's starting to draw a rift, right? It's because whatever we agreed to the day before, the night before, they're not going executing the next day because they have something else in mind or something else they're going to do. That causes the same rift. Yeah, definitely. So cool, Brian. I'm, I'm doing a little more talking than you are. I apologize about that. It's um, all good. <laughs> Let's. What's your favorite things about being an entrepreneur at this point? You've been doing this for a while. You have business partner and partner. Um, you've had some employees. Like, what is it? What do you love doing? What do you love about this the most? Um, honestly, I think it's the possibilities. Um, 
it's it's my ship i get to i get to drive it um i was reached last august someone reached out for me to get into a food hall i couldn't even entertain that idea at the time um somebody recently uh reached out for a food a different food hall again um actually yesterday someone reached out for a ghost kitchen uh which is a pretty cool concept um just the possibilities uh seeing my ideas come to life and seeing people enjoy what i created and what uh, outside of chopped cheese what is there anything else like you really love cooking or you have a passion for just as a sidebar conversation i'm just curious uh italian i love cooking italian Kind of anything Italian. Anything Italian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Um, yeah. I'm Italian, so that works for me. I love Italian food. I love all Italian yeah. food, even yeah. like the cheap, weird stuff. As long as it's not tomato sauce out of a can, like you can have like tomato right. paste and make it into sauce. But like if it's tomato sauce out of a can, for some reason I can taste the can. Um, yeah, I get I it. don't know why, <laughs> but every, like tomato paste and stuff and making tomato sauce not so bad but if it's like at a resort or something and they use it out of a can i can smell it and taste it i don't know why but there's a sweetness and a reflection of almost like ketchup that i'm like no 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 this is ketchup on pasta this is not pasta sauce right not good yeah so i don't know what it is but i agree with you um what are the things that you've learned the most like how have you grown as a result of the big apple bodega truck um can't do everything myself don't want to do everything myself being an entrepreneur you're you're you are hr you're accounting you're you're everything um and you need help if you as i as i'm doing this and before i opened last year i said oh i i get to create my work-life balance i get to manage my own my own hustle i get to do what i want to do and i ended up i don't know four months without a day off and my well my day off sometimes would be prepping and cleaning so uh, just just managing my time better and delegating more. And I had an amazing team. Uh, some of them are coming back, um, but just hiring the right people. And, and uh, yeah, just working smarter. Yeah, it's interesting because I, um, I asked that question, I think to myself, you know, all the things I learned in my business and now all the things I've learned, you know, trying to start over or my relationship changes and stuff like that. And the relationships I should have valued and didn't and the relationships I valued and shouldn't have. Um, But I will say this just, just for everyone. Like one of the things about like when I went to you and and you, the, also the catalyst was Deborah at the time. um, And she encouraged me to go do the stuff and, and do the, try the entrepreneur uh, food entrepreneur podcast again. And when someone had recommended, she really pushed me to reach out to you guys and stuff like that. So I just want to say thank you to her if she's listening in or does still listen in. I don't know fully. We don't talk about that type of stuff anymore. Um, But maybe one day we will again. I don't know. But I will say that where I am right now, um, I have a different appreciation of the way things go and the way patterns are and the way they affect our business and our personal lives and stuff like that. So I think on your note, like it's just business grows us whether we want it or not and it changes us. And we have to be very conscious 
of and intentional of how we're growing our business, but also in knowing that it's growing us as the entrepreneurs and whatever human we want to be, we have to be very mindful because being caught up or getting in survival mode, like I said, or getting too caught up in our businesses or growing can sometimes lead to this survival mode mentality and we're never going to get to where we're going and we're actually going to cause damage in our life. So, uh, Brian, what are the things you like the least about being a food entrepreneur? Oh, good question. Um, I guess my biggest, I don't know if it's a problem or what is turning it off is taking time for myself. Um, uh, I think even with the right team, even with uh, the help that I was just talking about, um, just being able to, to, to sit down and, and uh, turn it off, not always answer the phone, not always send emails. Um, yeah, just always being on, I, th- I think it's, it's challenging. I agree. The always on thing is, is really taxing. I went through this in Georgia for two years where I had to be on basically 24 seven and it really fucked up my life. No joke. Um, And as an entrepreneur, I was on all the time as it was. But when I was actually so in my business and so in a location when there were multiples, like I didn't realize that it was an unhealthy uh, balance and it threw me off. So I agree with that a lot. And I also think that if you can't turn off your business in your mind and you can't take time, which I was really good at for a long time. And again, weirdly during COVID and the crisis and the growing of the business and moving to Georgia and relationships and houses and whatever else and stress, um, I forgot this and I didn't balance my life out a lot. And when that happens, you become so focused on your business, you almost become you feel so unappreciated. And for me as a male, it was a weird thing. As a male, I felt unappreciated. And it's almost like because I felt so unappreciated, I became a shell of a human. And this is really weird. And I realize this now, even as a businessman, as a romantic partner, this shell was just a ability to survive. It was, I was a frustrated human. I was short with people. I wasn't the greatest. I was kind of mean. And this after 22 years of business. This is just because... COVID, I, the entitlement finally came to a place. People were overpaid. People weren't paid properly. People were misusing company funds. Like it was just a disaster. It was all my fault, right? It was my fault. I had turned it over to people I trusted. I had allowed people to take power over the company while I went and did some things that I needed to do in my personal life and, and, and grow some other businesses I was working on and start a different life and so on and so forth. And my mistake was I gave too much power away. And it seems weird and it seems like, oh, here it is, Mr. Entrepreneur, egotistical maniac, narcissist, needing to control his business like every other successful person. No, it has nothing to do with our narcissism. In fact, it's probably a little more OCD uh, and autism than, than actual narcissism. But this is what I'm talking about, structure and finding balance and being able to unplug to Brian's point is really, really important. And if you can't, even on weekends, and if you're with a romantic partner who's also in your business and she or he can't unplug or them or whatever pronoun, the problem is, is that, and I'm not saying that to be a jerk. I'm just saying it because it's, I don't want to lose emphasis on the main point. The main point is this. 
if you get in that and you're in a relationship and you're building a business with someone that's also in a survivor mode, that also makes the business 24-7, you don't have a relationship anymore and your communication is so emotionally skewed based on making decisions for the business and neither one of you are feeling appreciated. Neither one of you are getting anything out of it and both of you are frustrated with each other on a regular basis. Of course you are because neither one of you are able to be present with the other person or present in your life. And if you're a solo entrepreneur, you're going to see a rift starting with your family or your partner or your spouse or your girlfriend or fiance or your kids or stepkids or adopted kids, whatever they are, you will notice it. And if you don't get control of it properly, it it comes back to haunt you. And for me, I was inexperienced. I didn't know. Uh, while running a business that long, I didn't have a relationship that was in my business. I didn't have you know, kids that were working in a business we weren't building. And I certainly didn't have the bullying and stuff when I built the business that had sort of creeped into my business with a group of managers that sort of came to power as I gave them more power by being less involved in the main business, by focusing on building other businesses and things I put people in power. I shouldn't have, I didn't check their core values. And even when I knew they had certain core values that weren't in check, I'm just like, oh, they're human. Let's not worry about it. It's They have all these other things. No, that's the wrong attitude. If they don't meet all the core values of your business, don't have them in your company. So sorry, Brian, I went on a tangent there again, but I think that's just important. I agree 100%. Okay. Um, talk to me about how you, you're, you're, you talked about like trying to find time and trying to find balance. Like, What are some of the things you do outside of the food truck to sort of find balance? Uh, anything in the mountains, anything outdoors. Uh, we love going snowboarding in the winter. Uh, Steamboat is probably one of my favorite places. Um, and then anything, camping, hiking, uh, biking, all the things. Uh, Colorado is great for all of that. Yeah. Just finding time to do it. <laughs> well, so. I will tell you that Nashville, I found, is pretty active as a city. I mean, they're decently active. I mean, most majority are younger people moving here, and they're fairly in shape and active, but it's still nothing compared to Colorado and how, as a whole, everyone is just generally always active, always in the mountains, always moving, um, You know, and I'm making a very broad generalization because obviously there are people that don't. But on a city-to-city comparison, I would say it's interesting how motivated Denver is comparatively. And even though this is the city of hustle and music and running gig to gig, there's still not that balanced hustle. To here in Nashville, I would say it's a very unbalanced way people live their life here, generally, um, for the most part that I know, um, just based on show business and scheduling. And in Denver... Because of the environment, maybe 300 days of sunshine, maybe because you can't help but see the mountains all the time and be lured in, generally there's more balance there with the individuals. Maybe it's a demographic thing. I don't know. But it's pretty cool, and I've noticed that as well. And it's made me actually miss Colorado a lot recently in that Colorado Coloradans are just in better shape. Not that they look better. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about – I'm talking about in shape, meaning inside. Am I an athlete? Am I – out there working out, can I handle a two and a half hour hike? It's great that you can handle a 45 minute Orange Theory class, but can you handle a 30 minute hike in the mountains with low oxygen? You know, and can your dog keep up? Because that's not what happens here. And we have more of hills here in Nashville than mountains. But 
each one has their own thing and I love them both. It's just interesting to me because you brought up something that's very been on my mind lately is there's not the easy way to escape, like run to Red Rocks or run to the mountains that, that, that I had there. I don't have that here. And there's definitely not as much um, activities outdoors as Denver. Like there's just always in your face, whether it's floating down a river or it's always, you know, some sort of outdoor art festival and and while there's a lot of music here and music's always going on and entertainment it's not quite as diverse and so i don't know just being nostalgic i guess yeah no denver's very active and it it actually really helps with business and like not you know there is 300 days of sunshine but the other days people aren't afraid to be out and doing things so uh i think other cities you know if it's super cold or rainy maybe people tend to stay in but I think people living in Denver and Colorado uh, don't mind getting out there. So it helps with business for sure. Talk to me about next steps for Big Apple Bodega. Like since we last talked, I know you're working on franchising. Like just talk to me about like what it is that you're working on. You know, it's kind of hard because you're still at the very beginning and you're probably a little over a year old maybe at this point. And um, yes, and so everything's still new and fresh and you still have a lot of learning to do, but talk to me about the franchising and you know, your future. Yeah. So franchising, uh, it's very, very new to me. Um, we got up and running with the franchise September 26th. I think the day was, um, took this winter season. The to day not of our really episode actually. Yeah. 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 Uh, took the winter season to not really take the truck out. We did um, private events and catering here and there, but I wanted to really dive into the franchise and, and grow that um, zero experience with selling a franchise or marketing a franchise. Um, tried to do it on my own, got a ton of leads, but not great leads at all. Uh, so I actually just recently hired a marketing company. Um, so it's just much more of a process than I would have ever imagined. Um, super glad and grateful to say that we are the first and only chopped cheese franchise on the market to my knowledge. Um, so, uh, yeah, but so as of today, we have probably three pretty solid leads. Um, but it is just all, um, a process. So we have to give them paperwork. We can't really do anything for 14 days and it goes back and forth and, um, just more, more than I imagined um no regrets uh, i definitely want to grow the franchise um so there's that part of it that i'm working on uh, i like i said earlier someone approached me about a food hall so i'm entertaining that um going back and forth with them uh, that wouldn't be until end of summer which is almost perfect timing um and then i also mentioned a ghost kitchen which i didn't really know 100 percent of what that was uh, i actually have a meeting with them on March 2nd. Um, but from what I gather, it's kind of a food hall, but uh, customers aren't allowed inside. So um, there's a bunch of concepts in a building and it's all delivery or pickup, uh, which seems awesome. And that's in the heart of Denver as well. So I am going to go meet with them and chat and see what that's all about. So yeah, I'm working on the franchise and then working to grow, grow, uh, I didn't want to do another truck or a trailer. Um, I want to start seeing, and, I, and I'm not ready for a brick and mortar. I think 
brick and mortar. Actually, someone approached me last year. It was an amazing opportunity, but I think people would drive right by it. People still don't really know what chopped cheese is. The benefit of the truck is that I get to come to you. I get to go to your HOA. I kind of tell you what you're having for dinner that night if I'm the only one there. And people love it. Uh, we had fantastic reviews. And um, uh, I think with a brick and mortar, people are still going to drive by. They're still not 100% sure. Now with a food hall, there's tons of different, not tons, but there's a bunch of different concepts in one location. So Justin, you might go for pizza and Kelsey might go for sushi and I'll go for Thai. And we can all do that together. Uh, it's a pretty cool concept. I love this. Jeez. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about the, like what, in your mind, what's the difference between a brick and mortar and a food hall? Just for the audience and for me, like why a brick and mortar uh, and why would one be more entertaining than the other two? So walk me through that thought process. Yeah. Well, brick and mortar is super expensive to start typically. Um, and it's a standalone building. So, you know, your McDonald's and your, a lot of Starbucks and all those big companies, even small companies, but it's typically just, it's a, it's a destination restaurant in my, in my case with a food hall, the one that I'm chatting with, there's going to be eight concepts there. So they're all going to be in one location. Um, so you, so if you go by yourself or with a group of people, everyone gets to choose different cuisines and different, different options. If they, if, if not everyone wanted pizza, there's other options there. So, uh, you know, it's, it's less risky, especially when, like I said, people are still f- discovering what chopped cheese is. It's true. And I like the food hall idea as well. It allows people to come and they try different concepts, almost like a food truck park, but not a park and no food trucks or engines and generators and stuff. But the um, I do like the food hall thing. There's an assembly food hall here uh, down on Broadway. That's pretty cool. They brought in a lot of local vendors in there so people can go to Broadway or just so anyone knows, Broadway's where all the honky tonks are and where they're building uh um, Garth Brooks' new um, honky tonk, and Eric Church is building new honky tonk. And there's, I don't know, Coyote Ugly's gone in, and all these places down the strip. And even Taco Bell's got a cantina uh, on the strip, actually. And I know Raising Canes is going in there as well. So it's kind of a crazy scene. But anyway, a food hall is um, has the locals only here, anyway. And I assume that maybe it's the same there. And I think that's probably a good concept. And way of doing and growing your brand the thing i ask is how um have you thought about the differences and how you go from a truck to a food hall i mean does it seem easier to you is it seem less worrisome not having to drive around a truck or does it seem like now you have two things to manage uh again goes back to hiring the right people and and, and creating your team i think um <laughs> one of my biggest uh, things that keeps me up at night is the truck and it's a great truck and knock on wood nothing, nothing crazy has ever happened. Well, <laughs> we had a giant blowout on I-25. It scared the hell out of me. Uh, it's pretty crazy. A 28 foot food truck packed, uh, with food and water. Um, but yeah, when that check engine light comes on, it's super stressful. I know nothing about an engine. I know, you know, I, barely know how to change the oil. So it's not my thing. I don't want it to be my thing. I'm in the food industry. Uh, so it's a, 
it's a it's a major part of my business that I know nothing about. I can't call an Uber to go to work when my truck breaks down. So going to a food hall, uh, it's almost the same size as my truck, actually. Um, but, uh, you know, you're renting a stall um, that's that's there for you. You're not creating it and you're not typically you're not buying all the equipment and the walk in and all that other stuff. It's it's kind of all there for you. You just move right in. You share the prep area and you share the dish area, uh, share the walk in. Uh, yeah. And you just kind of get to work. No engine. <laughs> um, I like this a lot. And one of the things that I want to reflect back on is that tire thing. I know what you're talking about. I, but I was on a trailer. Like when we first had the chicken chariot, the first trailer we ever did and bill, it was a little bit too heavy. And when we loaded it with tons of food, cause we're like, Oh, we'll load it with tons of food and get everything in there. Well, we threw off the weight and I blew two tires on the Delaware Memorial bridge going from oh Delaware God. into New Jersey, <laughs> or maybe it's Maryland into Delaware. I can't No, It'd be Delaware into New Jersey onto the Jersey turnpike. Actually. I think you can go 295 or the turnpike from that bridge. I can't remember, but I blew two tires on the bridge on the right side of the truck, smoking rims, like whatever, get tires fixed. That same trip. Like I hit a bump because I don't, I realize I'm on long line expressway and I don't, I'm not going to make the clearance of the bridge. So I jerk back onto the road while I go over the median bump a little bit and I break both axles on the trailer Oh my gosh. because of the weight. And it was just an interesting thing, but I do know that scary thing. You're loaded. Everything's flying all over the place. Like, what are you going to do? Like, and, um, you know, I learned a lot of lessons off that first one and we built some pretty cool stuff afterwards, but, and for a lot of people, but the, I agree with you. The mobileness is great. Um, but even eventually, like we had the trailer, I put it in a stationary place and tried to build a business around it. Although I never had time to finish that out, unfortunately. But by the time I got older and we re-looked at the food trucks again recently, it was like, oh, I need to find a place where it can sit and people can come to and eat like a food truck park or whatever. And I don't have to move the damn thing around all the time because while it was my advantage at first, it became a weird disadvantage as I became busier with the other parts of the businesses that were brick and mortar. And, um, I think that's just probably the nature of the beast and what happens to all businesses as the food trucks become less and less important as they grow their business, uh, and food, if they go that direction, like you're going in the food hall and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 great, like I said, because I get to go to you and and you get to you get to try me. Where typically I think you probably would drive by me, but um, but yeah, I mean, I would love to be in the food hall and still have the truck out. And we've we've made some great relationships and connections, and do uh, special events and catering, and um, you know, I think that would be also less wear and tear. I I took it out every single day and most of the days were doubles so we were all over the place so it was it was a lot for the truck for everyone (laughs) so that is a lot just always a lot um so brian as we sort of finish up here like what if you could tell the audience anything or share anything that you hope that could impact other entrepreneurs um or just inspire yourself or leave a message behind if someone ever heard the big apple bodega story what would that be right now um i'm i don't know i I have a mission statement to uh um to serve nostalgic new york city inspired food 
with care, passion, and integrity. You have to, I lead with that, the care, the passion, and the integrity. When you get too burnt out, something's going to go. Uh, just, just really take care of yourself. Um, you know, lead with your values, have a mission statement that you, you can stand by. Um, yeah. And just, just kill it. Just, just remember to make time for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you, uh, 100%. And, um, Geez, uh, it's pretty incredible. Where can they find you online, Brian? Um, at Big Apple Bodega is our handle on Instagram. We post our our schedule every Monday. Um, once we're back out, which will be March twelfth, um, and then BigAppleBodega.co is our website. We also have our schedule there, um, franchise info, all the fun stuff. And I'm going to ask a, a quick question. How did, why the mission statement and how did you come up with that and who, where'd you come up with the idea to do it? Um, I want to grow my business. I don't want to just be one truck. Um, and I think that just goes back to my corporate roots that I was talking about that I wanted values and a mission statement and principles. And I, I, I want this company to grow. Um, and in many different directions and i wanted to stay grounded and rooted to uh you know what i believe in and 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 write it down and live by it love this brian thank you very much for coming back on the show man yeah it was really easy huh awesome yeah um everyone in the audience thank you guys for listening in to my Nashville family that seems to be listening a lot and everyone I know I appreciate you guys to everyone who's always listening and been a fan the last almost four and a half years I appreciate you guys and love you for the endless support and the ups and downs this podcast has been on it always started off as a project to see what would happen and I never intended to turn it into something I did full time almost like I'm doing now and I appreciate it. And that being said, also, I just want to thank someone who helped me get this off the ground. Um, Deborah Micus, I know she was my co-host on this show for a long time. And if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have done the Big Apple Bodega. And if it wasn't for Brian being suggested to be on the show and her encouraging it, I would have never have done it. And so I just want to say thank you to Brian and uh, Deborah. I'll do a thank you in the commentary. But you guys really believed in me. Uh, you came on the podcast. Uh, Deborah always encouraged me to do the podcast, even being a co-host for almost two years. And it was, even though she doesn't like the spotlight and never wanted to be a public figure, she did support me and help crutch me and for me to gain the confidence and courage to do it. And I think there's a lot of relationships and a lot of business relationships and uh, that help us do that. So I don't, you know... Life isn't about being angry or looking at the past and, 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 and having like regret or vilifying things, even in our businesses. And, and me, out of all people, I should be doing this based on what happened and how a lot of people, after putting food on their table for 12 to 24 years, were mad at me or came after me, even though they forget about their kids' college tuitions and the, the money that was on the table or the security in the job or the health insurance. Um, or the time that I gave them extra vacation time or sick time because their family was in need. And 
um, or helped them pay for trips or whatever they needed because of all the points they got from travel, like all these things, a lot of people forget when something bad happens. So I have learned um, based on my own experiences, and I want to leave the audience with this. And I think it's perfect for this episode with Brian based on what we discussed at the beginning is it's never too late to be thankful even if you were vilifying something before or leaving it in your head as a negative thing in your past because when we turn it into a positive and we grew from it and we appreciate those people um, especially the ones we want in our lives or want back in our lives or want to have around us or learn from or, or maybe we're a stepping stone for us depending on how we look at it we realize that life is really about growth and the individuals around us and the friends that truly cared about us and the people that truly cared about us were the ones who pushed us and made us uncomfortable. They were the ones who made things harder for us or held us accountable. And during stressful times, that's really, really hard because you're already stressed and you're already trying to hold yourself accountable as an entrepreneur and you don't need someone else doing it for you. But it's just part of what happens when there's friends they are trying to keep you on the right path and keep you structured and make sure you're in check. And sometimes that doesn't always go well. It's why we you need a diverse group of mentors, a diverse group of coaches, a diverse group of friends, a diverse group of other entrepreneurs you talk to, a diverse group of family members that you talk to on a regular best basis. And that's really important. And I let all that stuff get out of whack in my life during COVID, during building business. And while everything, you know, everyone did well, it didn't stop like bad things from happening because everything went out of balance. So I just, as a person who's experienced massive amounts of success and also had massive failure, um, the thing that makes a difference in the long run is the human connection is the human understanding and it's doing the right thing by one another and realizing that. And in order to do that, you really have to hit the pause button sometimes Sometimes you have to walk away. Sometimes you have to say, hey, we don't need to talk about this now or it doesn't need to resolve. Yes, maybe we're missing an opportunity for our business, but if we can't communicate it and we can't get it resolved, let's not push it forward when it's half-assed. And I think a lot of people do that. I've done it myself where I push ideas forward really fast because I know there's an opportunity there and we need to hit it. But the rest of the team is nowhere near caught up to me and I've just lost everyone. I've fucked up the opportunity and I fucked up my relationship with my coworkers, employees, teammates, whatever you want to call them, team members. It's my preference. But you messed it up when you did it and I've done that too. And I don't know why I'm saying it. I just feel that I should right now. And God's speaking through me a little bit. But I feel that everyone should just be aware of this. And maybe there's someone out there that needs to hear this right now, which is why we do this podcast. We're putting information out there that we, it could be four years from now someone hears. And you never know when it's going to be impactful or have influence on the world for the better. And that's also the goal of this podcast or show. So thank you, Brian, for listening in. I'm Thank you, Brian, for being a guest on the show. I'm sorry. Did yes, I lose thank you? Thank you. I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening in. I got my prompts mixed up there. And thank you, guys. I love everyone in the audience. I love all my family members who are out there. Um, you know, Maddie, Zoe, John, I, I love you guys and think about you guys all the time. And um, everyone who's made this podcast possible, like, I owe you guys my life. And. If it wasn't for all of you and believing in me and giving me a chance right now, I don't know what I would be doing because 
this has given me hope. And as much as I do it for everyone and, and trying to do right for everyone else, weirdly, this has become um, my safe place. And this has become a place where I get to grow and meet like-minded entrepreneurs and not feel alone all the time. And, um, and so I appreciate that as well. And um, people like you, Brian, and humans like you that have come into my life, you've had great impact. And I appreciate you. And thank you for having influence and impact on me. Yeah, no, thank you. I mean, you're, you're killing it. This isn't easy for me to do, and you make it very easy and very comforting. So keep doing you. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. And again, guys, you can find us on Spotify or wherever else you grow yourself through podcasts. And you can find us on Instagram at Justin the Food Entrepreneurs. And if you have a DM, if you want to DM us to be on the show or have any questions, you can do that on Instagram. And there's a phone number on there if you want to text us and you're really interested in being on the show. Uh, just find us there. Anyone, if you hear this, yes, I will always talk to you and see if you fit for being on the show. Just text me to that phone number. Um, thank you everyone again, and we're out. <laughs>